Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of X-Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Matthias Berlitt is the CEO of Inform Software, which is a provider of advanced decision-making solutions to some of the world's most complex businesses. In fact, it's not quite true. He's a co-CEO and he was part of this business for many years until the original CEO or founder stepped away and they recruited four co-CEOs to take the job. It's a fascinating scenario. We get dive in with Matthias into his learning curve as one of these four co-CEOs. How do they work together? How does it work? What's the strength of the model and what's the disadvantages? What was it like to take over a business as one of four? But we also get into how has Informed Software grown and sustained that growth over decades using a really interesting strategy that he calls cell division. This is a really interesting conversation um, with a CEO who's had a unique journey. So enjoy this and learn how, what it might look like for you in situations of shared leadership. Hi, Matthias, and welcome to the show. Hello, Richard. Thank you very yes. much. Yes, yeah, welcome. I'm really pleased to have you here today. I think you've got a really interesting background. Um, you're one of the co-CEOs of Inform, uh, based out of Germany. Do you want to just give us to start by giving us a bit of a, a quick background on what is Inform as a business and what just a bit of the backstory about how you came to have the CEO role? Yes, great. Thanks. Inform is specialized in applying mathematical optimization to real-world operations. Yeah. So, for example, um, what what I always like to um, to to speak about is the operation of an airport. Every one of us is fascinating by what all these activities on the ground of this air uh, of, of the of the airport field, and uh, it's of course Im very important to have this airport being handled as quickly as possible. You know, get the people to the uh, plane, get the uh, people from the plane, getting the fuel there, getting the meals there, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, the cleaning, uh, and. You can model all these different uh, business processes in our application, and our application is then optimizing the use of the different resources. Yeah? For example, it dispatches a passenger bus to a plane where people need to get to or get out of. Um, it dispatches um, the personnel at the check-in counters. Mm. There are, I don't know, I think in Frankfurt alone, there are 1,000 people being dispatched to these kind of counters. And um, yeah, it's highly important for the customer satisfaction uh, that you really have the necessary amount of people, but on the other side, not people sitting there and, and being bored. Yeah, so you're trying to match, match resources to demand in some ways and across exactly. a complex system. Exactly. 
and and doing this on a let's say on a strategic level uh, on a tactical level and then on the real operational executional level yeah. and is and is the pain point normally that people that the costs are too high as they are or is it that it's just become unmanageable in the business or is it that people see new opportunities why, why would people tend to implement this kind of system yeah it's a mix i would say um of course Saving money, eliminating waste out of the operation is, is always a hot topic. Uh, but then also shortage of people today is really a, an important factor uh, that you don't get enough truck drivers, for example, um, or that you want to offer jobs with a kind of flexibility. Yeah? So there's a workforce management uh, system at place, which allows you to have like dynamic uh, shifts, working shifts. Got it. Yeah, with dynamic length and so on. So you can offer jobs which are more attractive to, to more people. I think Inform is, is a really special company. Uh, actually, I uh, started here around 20 years ago, slightly more than 20 years ago already yeah. now, um, when I studied physics uh, before. So um, And then I decided not to go there into an academic career or something. I really wanted to go in the business somewhere to, to work with people, uh, communicate more, uh, not sitting in, a, in an office somewhere and uh, simply doing calculations. And um, well, and then I started with Inform, looking in the first um, glimpse at a couple of years here, yeah, not thinking about having a yeah. lifetime um, occupation. And um, in the end, uh, well, it's 20 years now, and um, that's just so just that's just like my marriage right I <laughs> so I never, like living in France I came to France for one year or perhaps two and I got married and now I've been here right. for over 20 years right it, it, sometimes it simply works out right <laughs> it out. okay so you joined Inform uh coming out of university or something similar uh in a junior level I guess and yeah. obviously 20 years later yeah. you know, well you're... actually I I, I started in, in project management, yeah, okay. going into consultancy roles in project with great customers like Mercedes-Benz, uh, Volkswagen in Mexico, and so on. So it's so a really great and interesting project. Um, and already in 2005, then, I think it was like, like four or five years after I started, I got my first leadership role for a team of people working for a specific industry. So it was like manufacturing logistics. So right, back right. then, it was like 15 people offering solutions for companies like Mercedes, BMW, et cetera, et cetera. Also steel companies, chemical companies, and so on. And, uh, well, we as a team, uh, we, we grew the business. And in 2010, the business, um, the, this kind of business segment uh, grew so big that we divided that business unit into two business units. And so... Since then, since 2010, uh, we had our own business unit, which then again grew to about, I don't know, 130 people, like at the end of uh, 2020. And then in early 2021, I got appointed co-CEO with three others. Uh, all of us are, yeah, were, or grew here at Inform. Yeah, I think three of us are here for more than 20 years. One is with us for 12 years, it's the, the youngest. 
And um, so yeah, let, me just, and, let me just slow you down on that. It sounds really interesting. So first thing I heard is you 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 divided up your business unit, or you you spun you, you multiplied it. You divided into two. What was what was the thinking at that point behind that? Right? Why did you take a successful business unit and turn it into two? Yeah, it's it's kind of one of the core principles of our former CEO Adrian Weiler who was the CEO for 35 years at Inform. Right. Yeah. And uh, his, his principle there was um, to have like a cell division, to have smaller neighborhoods, to have autonomous business units who can really take all the necessary decisions more or less by themselves because they know the business, they know the customers and so on. And um, well, and in 2010, we were around 130 people in that business unit and I think we were 35 or something and really specialized on a couple of, of topics and customer segments. And therefore, it makes sense. And it, yeah, it kind of uh, freed us um, mm. to, to take our decisions. Yeah? And, and therefore, we could grow even stronger. Then. I think it's a great point. I mean, for people listening, I want to ask you, I want to challenge you, you know, where in your organization is there a business unit or a sub-business unit, shall we say, or division or product mm -hmm. that's doing so well that you can actually, you should actually be saying, let's give these people full decision-making autonomy, right? Let's turn them into their own PL or whatever and send them off to do what exactly. they want to do. I think it's a great point. Yeah, yeah. yeah this, this is one of the success formulas, I would say, from Inform. We did that already in the 80s. Yeah, the company was founded in 1969 by Professor Zimmermann. He wanted back then to show that operations research, this kind of mathematical optimization, uh, can really be used by companies in their daily operations. And um, well, and, and after working more in projects and doing consultancy work and so on, we started with Adrian, the CEO then in the mid 80s, to work in particular application areas. Mm. And this was then also a success formula, yeah, not to do everything, but to concentrate on, on, on certain uh, business segments. And, and then we divided these business segments from time to time. And today we have nine operational business segments. Right. Yeah. And uh, all working really successful and, and doing their business yeah. perfect so so let's for, fast forward back to this moment where um you were appointed as one of four co-ceos so you so you all basically the four of you kind of took on from this i guess this legacy from this 35 year old you know 35 years of one yeah. ceo <laughs> and so you all kind of came in and what was that like because that's a pretty unique situation right to a follow in the footsteps of somebody who's being the heart and soul of the business in so many, so many ways yeah. for a generation. Um, and then to find yourself as one of four. What was yeah. that experience like? Let's say, luckily, we had some time. It was already one and a half years before it was actually then the appointment, the official appointment, that the shareholders gave us this task. Um, that the task of coming up with a concept of how we as a group could manage the company mm. yeah, once, once Adrian is not there anymore. So yeah, we actually, we, we used these one and a half years to prepare ourselves. We, we got to know each other because that was, I, I said earlier that we have this autonomous business units and this autonomy sometimes was really strong. So we, 
didn't really knew each other. We haven't worked really together. Right. So of course we needed to, to understand ourselves and so on. Uh, we were checking a lot of things. How do you think about the future, about the vision, about the purpose, et cetera, et cetera. And um, yeah, and, and for example, one of our principles was uh, a kind of continuity uh, program Yeah, that we wanted to conserve a lot of the good things of Inform, obviously, for obvious reasons, like the culture and so on. But of course, we also identified some areas where, where we wanted to set new marks. Yeah, yeah it's um, so, yes, yeah, so having the time was was important right so you're able yeah. to kind of prepare and yeah get to know each other's visions for the company that's what i'm hearing exactly which yeah. is important and then what was it do you think that the shareholders i guess saw in you or in the four of you right so were you all pretty much like all just the strongest operational leaders in the company or were, or was it that one of you was like really great at innovation? One of you was really good at strategy and one of you was, you know, were you kind of complimentary or was it that it was like kind of like, we're looking for the same kind of thing in all of you? Yeah. I, to be honest, I think you should ask the shareholders. <laughs> It's always difficult to say that about uh, oneself. Yeah. Um, I, I think overall that the four of us has shown that we can manage a, a business unit and our former boss always said you are something like a managing director of that business unit yeah? right. because you have this kind of autonomy. So we kind of have proven ourselves there already. We always had like strong financial results, et cetera, et cetera. And I guess, well, I think that the shareholders, they wanted to obviously secure the future of the company and preserve the culture and, well, the whole company as it's working today, mm. because they are really, I think, proud of it. It's, it's like they are, yeah, their legacy. I don't know if this negatively uh, cotonated, but um, no, it, it's their inheritance or how do you say you yeah, know, absolutely. for the future. Sure. Yeah. And uh, maybe they saw this in us that the team of four could really do that. Yeah. And yes, we have some, some, some strength in different areas. And, um, and therefore, we also decided to yeah, organize the work in different work areas. And uh, for example, I'm, I'm responsible for, for innovation Uh, for cloud activities and uh, central marketing, etc. So yes, we have like different footprints. I would say. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. And what was the um, what was the biggest surprise that you found moving from that business unit management role to the co CEO role? Maybe that there was not really a surprise. Okay. Yeah, because. Yeah, maybe it's also because we are here for these 12 years or 20 years or something, and, and we have really grown up here. Um, it was Adrian always who was our boss, so we are working in his, in his uh, footprints and so on. No, I don't think that there was really a, a surprise which was like completely new or something. It's Richard here with a quick interlude. As part of my coaching and advisory work, I often work with leaders who have recently taken on the CEO role. It's a big leap from the comfort zone of functional leadership or business unit management. 
and it opens up a whole new set of stakeholders, pressures, decisions and responsibilities. I found that there are three key things that will make a huge difference in those first quarters. Number one, balancing the operational and the strategic, what I call CEO focus. Number two, establishing credibility, what I call CEO presence. And number three, managing stakeholders, those CEO conversations. I've written a short email series that goes into more detail on the transition to CEO and how you can practically sharpen your CEO focus, solidify your CEO presence and master your CEO conversations. It's insightful and it's entirely free of charge and you can register for it by going to xquadrant.com forward slash go forward slash curve. Now, back to the conversation. Yeah, because, okay, so it's really in, the, in that continuity, I guess. Right. What it was designed for, right? You've all been in the business 20 years. You knew the business well. And so, yeah, um, yeah it makes sense. And so um, what, would your, what, what would your advice be for, for CEOs or for new CEOs? You know, what have you found has, has worked well for you in these couple of years? And um, what's been difficult? I think it's always this dilemma between strategy and, and operation that you are distracted uh, more often than you like uh, with all these operational stuff and so on. And, and I mean, then there are security incidents somewhere. Mm. There's a, a flooding around here was there last summer and so on. So you have, of course, these very important uh, issues, but you need to, to find the time to work on strategy as well. Um, I think also that we neglected kind of strategy in the past. So we emphasize more on strategy in our team, but also with our complete leadership team, yeah, which is like the new, uh, the new CEOs plus the business unit leaders who are then part of the, the top leadership team. Yeah, and um, I think what, what helps me to organize these kind of strategic thinking is to look at a kind of transformation metrics, which we got from a consultancy here in Cologne, um, which looks at actually like working on strategy, working on the structure of the company, uh, on the processes, yeah, but then also on how leadership is working. Yeah, what kind of principles do you want? Like servant leadership, for example, or more command and control. <laughs> yeah. Um, then what kind of HR tools do you have uh, at the start? And then what kind of culture do you want? Uh, yeah. yeah, where culture maybe is the most uh, difficult thing to, to change. Um, and I think maybe for a new CEO, you have to admit that activities you do simply take even more time than when you were work, working uh, for an organization with maybe 100 or 150 people. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Um, you say that I was speaking with the CEO, one of my clients, literally the call before this one, an hour ago. He was actually saying, you know, it's like, because um, he's within a complex group structure as well. So he has, you know, he's got a lot of things to manage stakeholders in all directions. And he was like, everything does seem to take so much time. There's so yeah. much cajoling and persuading and getting buy-in. It's like, is this my life now? You know, does this, is this, 
does everything it all have to take so much time and i think it's just fascinating that you mentioned that so just i just picked that up what we got to in that call was you know it definitely does take a lot of time and can take a lot of time but here was an insight that, that we got to which was sometimes you need to make a request close the deal mm. you know make an offer it must not always get accepted by the other person but sometimes you can say you know what I think let's move ahead with this, you know, or, mm-hmm. um, are you okay if on this one, we just go with this for now? And so sometimes you can kind of short circuit some of those decisions or some of those yeah. discussions by saying, actually, given its relative importance, would you trust me on this or, or whatever? And it's interesting to put that offer out there because sometimes people go, you know what, fine, mm, let's move right, on. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. Not to deny anything that you just said, but it was just interesting to have this discussion. And that was one of the insights that we found was that sometimes especially when you're a collaborative leader, you can kind of want to keep collaborating until everybody's on board, but actually it's okay sometimes to say, should we just try this and see what happens? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think the, there are a couple of tricks for these kind of directissimas, <laughs> you know, where, where you can accelerate the decision-making process. Yeah. And uh, one is to, to make the problem actually the problem of somebody else. And yes. to get them in the boat that it's also their topic and yeah perfect mm. perfect well, well let, let's move on to our kind of um quick fire round of, of questions um i always think it's interesting to to find out what some of the influences uh behind the guests on the show so what's the favorite quote that uh that you live by or that's influenced you favorite quote i don't know um of course, there, there are lots of, of great sayings. Um, what I really like is this build, measure, learn. It's not a quote, but it's yeah. like a concept Yeah, from, from Eric Ries. I, I love this book. It really changed my thinking. Yeah. Uh, the Lean Startup in, in yeah. lots of ways. I think it's not only for startups. It's, it's for many topics. And build, measure, learn yeah, always. Um, well, maybe, maybe not always, but in lots of cases, you should you should build something and even before you build, you should think about what do you expect uh, and then set a threshold, even if you don't have data available or something like this, but you have a feeling and put it somewhere. And then later, once you measured it, compare the measurement with your expectation. Mm -hmm. And this is, this can be so helpful. Yeah. It's a great catch. What about a favorite app? Like what's an app on your phone that you can, you know, is your go-to, perhaps something that not everybody uses, but you find particularly um, relevant? Not really. I think the, the apps I use most often are Teams and Outlook. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty boring. Um, I, I used to work with Trello a lot. Yeah. But uh, now I moved to, to Microsoft Teams and, and they're the planner. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. What about a book? I mean, you've just talked about the Lean Startup. Is, is there another book you'd want to mention that's had a big influence on how you lead? Yeah, I think the Lean Startup is, is great for sure. And I think really everybody should read it. And then I think um, Reinventing Organizations from Frederick Laloux is really great. There's a, a visual version, actually, edition of that book, which is just fantastic. Uh, lots of pictures and then and it highlights... Well, it compares um, a company with an organism and how strong companies can be built and where people really flourish in these companies. 
And um, yeah, it's it's for the good of every everybody, the shareholders, the people who work there, and the customers, of course. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about that earlier on. You know, it's easy to have a smart company, but uh, having a healthy company is, is another thing, and it's that's yeah. what really makes the difference. I think between yeah. great companies, absolutely, and, and, and they are organ organisms, right? They're full of people and 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 relationships, which are very, very organic things. And if you don't attend to those. Yeah. Uh, things go wrong. Um, one of the things I often do with executive teams is getting to really think about who are all the stakeholders, like who are actually who want to be in the room with you, or even with individual leaders who wants to be in the room with us right now, mm. whispering in your ear, asking you mm. for things, right? And right. actually right. looking who those are because it's, it's already that is incredibly complicated, right? Most executive teams have pressures because they're, they're representing different stakeholders very naturally uh, in, sure. in, the, in, the, in the room. Yeah. What about um, what advice would you give to your 20 year old self? <laughs> I think I made the right decision to go with a company of a moderate size and not go into a corporation, for example. Mm -hmm. um, maybe like 20 years ago, I should have thought more about founding a company. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's like often when, we, when we're young, it feels hard. But on the other hand, we don't have that much to lose either. So it can be, it can be more yeah. freeing. And, and then the other question I have is, is, is you know, is there a, an impactful CEO who's inspired you, right? Or who inspires you? Somebody in fact, you've come across in your own career. Um, yeah, I asked, you know, sometimes many of the best guests on the show come because of referrals, right? People who say, you know, this person is, inspires me as a CEO. So I'm wondering, you know, who comes to your mind? I think it's, it's our former boss. <laughs> Maybe he's not a, a current CEO, mm. but uh, to have Adrian interviewed here would be, would be really uh, something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, with, with a 35-year tenure, I'm sure he's got some great stories to tell. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, funny, Matthias, no matter how much we've achieved, there's always a next level to get to. So where, where does Inform go from here as a business? It's obviously achieved a lot, um, but where does it go from here? Yeah, as I said earlier, we have uh, set up this kind of uh, areas where we want to emphasize um, new things. And one of the things is innovation. So we actually want to be able to have not only, let's say, one business model as we have today yeah, with these enterprise IT systems, which we deliver, uh, but we want to have um, different business models. So, so maybe more standard products, more SaaS models, et cetera, et cetera. So this is one thing. The other thing is um, to grow internationally and to help our business units to do so. So just last year, we, we opened an office in Australia and an office in South America. We have for a couple of years an office in North America. And this year, we are going to start an office in, in Singapore. Now, so this will be also a challenge for us to, to yeah, grow the company internationally, to collaborate on an international level. And we, we, have, well, we have, I think, a good starting point. Yeah, but this is going to be a challenge for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting challenges though, isn't it? It's exciting as you get to expand the reach of the, of the business. What yeah, would you, what, sorry. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not that we are not uh, working internationally. You know, we, we have customers around the world, um, but I think we can grow that and actually have some, um, have, have well, more people uh, on site 
closer to the customer. And this would be the, the difference. You know, for now, I mean, our, our airport division, for example, is like the world leader in airport resource management systems. Mm. Yeah, so every larger airport you go to, our systems are in place in order to dispatch resources on the ground of the, of the airport and so on. And we do that, as I said, with 170 large airports. So it's around the world and in every continent and so on. But most of the time, the people go from Aachen, next to La Chapelle, to that customer. In the last two years, not so often. (laughs) I learned how to work remotely, which is really great. Yeah, but... uh, yeah, but if it's a strain on the business and it limits limits you to some degree. So I understand exactly. that, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Last question. What will you personally need to do to multiply your own impact as the company expands? Mm. Yeah, maybe learning to let go at some points. Um for example, I, I think I let go with my former business unit, <laughs> which is now really in the hands of my successor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but other things which are now just built up, I think there's today I'm spending lots of time actually operational to get the innovation, the cloud activities, etc., get started mm-hmm. and there to find the right moment to, to let go and, uh, and then to, to work on new things. Got it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, building things up, getting them on a footing, but then not being the bottleneck. Right. And it's so much fun, you know. I love this kind of technology and innovation and so on. So it's going to be also hard uh, to let go. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Fantastic. So, Matthias, if people want to find a bit, a bit more about you or about uh, Inform, um, how do they do that? Well, you can write me an email on Matthias with double T-H, Point Berlit at inform-software.com or simply go to my LinkedIn profile. You can find me under Matthias Berlit and then maybe Aachen or Inform and yeah. contact me via, via LinkedIn. Would be great. Perfect. Well, hey, um, Matthias, thank you so much for, um, for the conversation. It's been really fascinating to kind of dive into, you know, the whole philosophy of the company as it's grown and multiplied and kept that independence and autonomy, how it's really lived that out in terms of the co-CEO model yeah. um, and, uh, you know, how you've kind of been trying to move the company from this one business model into more diverse new right. business models, more, more, more markets, uh, a more diverse portfolio. So thank you yeah. for sharing some of that with us. Yeah, we all need our challenges. <laughs> well, thanks once again, and we'll look forward to hearing the story as it involves, evolves. Thank you, Richard. What's Take a pleasure. Care. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.